This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. I am Tyler Donahue. He is Sean Fitz, and we now know what Penn State's 13th matchup of this 2021 season is is going to be and where it will be and Sean somehow some way it worked out we're going to Tampa it's the Outback Bowl for Penn State against all odds an optimal outcome for the seven and five Nittany Lions and a pretty great matchup all things considered how this season has gone for Penn State since that second Saturday of October they get a chance to play the 21st ranked Arkansas Razorbacks out of the SEC coming in at eight and four year two under head coach Sam Pittman and see you in Tampa buddy yeah, can't wait. Uh, remarkable year two for Sam Pittman there at Arkansas. Um, they, they do things the way he wants to do it, and that starts with the offensive line. So curious to see how Penn State's defense holds up. Curious to see how Penn State's defense looks without Brent Pry as that coaching carousel continues to spin. But yeah, we're going to Tampa. This is, uh, this is if, if you've been listening for a while, um, probably predating you, I've been stumping for the Outback Bowl every single year. It's been 10 years since Penn State's been there last, which it, it does not seem like that's the case, um, but always one that I enjoy, always one that uh, has a special place in my heart. Yeah, last appearance back in 2011, they lost to Florida. Um, this will be their fifth appearance overall. They won their first three back in 96, 99, and 07. But yeah, significant gap to get to a bowl where the Big Ten's always involved there. Um, and, and we'll get to that defensive coordinator search because there are a few moving parts. Penn State is trying to keep staff intact. They're also trying to add to the staff. They're also trying to recruit. There's a transfer portal. There's a lot going on right now. But just taking a quick look, an early look at this matchup, which is still four weeks away, Sean. But again, Penn State gets this chance here. Regardless of how things went here, they'll get a chance to say they beat two ranked SEC opponents in 2021. And you can point to a lot of things and poke holes in the year. But that's a part of the narrative I didn't particularly see as a possibility down the stretch here. And all of a sudden, you've got to get through Arkansas to do it. That is not an easy task. But you had that opportunity, and that's something that you can actually sell. Yeah, a couple of, of teams that started out hot, got uh, were, were pretty much the hot names in, in each of their conference for a while there, and then hit a slide, a three-game slide after you play Georgia, which is understandable for for uh, for Arkansas. They also lost to Auburn, so there is a common opponent here. Um, don't always get that when you play an SEC team. Uh, kept it close against Alabama and beat Missouri to finish the season. So, I mean, as I said, eight and four, really good year for Pittman, and, and, and really they did a nice job of, of establishing themselves. There were some people that thought they could you know eventually dark horse their way into things and it doesn't usually work out that way in the sec west so um but it's it's cool to see uh you know they've they've got uh, the second best rushing attack in the sec they got kj jefferson who threw for 2500 yards and ran for another 526 touchdowns to three interceptions so another good matchup with the penn state secondary so there's a lot going on arkansas has got some players i mean they 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 did lose to auburn which is obviously i think people are going to draw that comparison with, with penn state but they got some real players down there 
Yeah, and Jefferson, you mentioned those impressive stats and, and the, the cumulative touchdown totals. Um, he's one of four players on this roster, Sean, uh, who landed somewhere between 490 and 600 rushing yards. You're not going to look through the box score and see like a 1,000-yard, 1,200-yard back for Arkansas, and you're wondering, okay, where the rushing comes. Go down that de- go down that stat sheet a bit, and guys got uh, 570 yards, 550 yards, 490 yards, and, and that includes the quarterback, as you mentioned, KJ Jefferson, 550 plus yards on the ground for his season with just three interceptions. Um, and and th- you know you got a great potential wide receiver showcase here. And I know people are saying, are both these guys going to play? The opt out conversation is always always hovering over college football this time of year, unless you're talking about. Um, you know, the, the college football playoff matchups, really. So Jahan Dotson on one side, 91 catches, almost 1,200 yards, 12 touchdowns for Penn State. And then Arkansas's Traylon Burks, 66 catches, 1,100 yards, 11 touchdowns, not nearly the, the catch total, but wow, he makes them count. Uh, he, he's pretty close. He's only 80 yards shy in receiving yards with Jahan Dotson while trailing him by 25 receptions. So that should put this Nittany Lions defensive staff on high alert. Yeah, it should, it should. There's, like I said, a lot of playmakers there. You broke down the, the rushing uh, campaign that they had. And it was funny because I was looking at SEC stats earlier today and it, you know, I had to scroll down and scroll down and scroll down for the Arkansas leading rusher at 590 yards or something yeah. like that. But they they lump them in there. And, and and when you've got Burks on the outside, you've got a, a potent matchup. And and anytime you play a Sam Pittman coach team, whether it's Arkansas, whether it was his Georgia teams, they're going to try and maul you. And that's uh, a very interesting matchup for Penn State's front four. Um, we will see what that looks like, uh, you know, in a couple of weeks, because there's, you know, going to be p- plenty of speculation in terms of guys with medical guys uh, potentially opting out to focus on their future. That's college football these days. You're just going to have to deal with it. Um, and I, I, I do expect that to, uh, to to take place maybe with both rosters. Yeah. And I imagine we'll see some news surface about maybe guys not being available here this week. And then, you know, as we get closer to the bowl and, and, and decisions are made, remember a few years back when, when they went to the Citrus Bowl, Tommy Stevens showed up and, and wasn't going to be able to play, and he had just had surgery. There's guys making decisions. Medical evaluations are being done. And then, of course, the the plans about, you know, am I opting out? There's not a lot of guys in that boat. But, look, people have their reasoning. We see it every year. You don't always see it coming when a guy sits out of a bowl game. So something you have to keep tabs on both sides, both head coaches, as you would expect, during their conference, uh, during their bowl conference calls on Sunday night were asked about opt-out possibilities. Each of them said, as of now, they're not aware of any. They're, they're planning on, on you know, moving forward uh, as usual. So it, it's it's very difficult because both these coaches are dealing with a lot of external things with personnel standpoint right now that you, that didn't exist in bowl ramifications until five years ago. But that's the way it is in college football, Sean. And the other thing is you can't stop recruiting. And, you know, James Franklin basically snuck in this bowl conference call in between a couple of recruiting visits on Sunday. He was over in Ohio. You saw Caden Saunders and a Drew Aller, who is going to be on the show. We probably should mention on the top of the show, we're having the number one quarterback in the country as a guest on this podcast episode with the Lions 24-7. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's because we've had him on a few times before. We're used to him uh, hanging around here every once in a while, but Drew Aller coming up 20-plus uh, minutes breaking down a lot on his Penn State recruitment and what comes next as we're closing in on signing day. But so you've got Franklin roaming around Ohio, checking in on his top commits here, working to get them and their families comfortable to put pen to paper very soon. He's also, as he said, making calls and taking calls from people and about people. I love that line because I think it sums up exactly what he's trying to do right now. 
I mean, there's a lot going on in a very, very small circle, and there's not much getting out uh, for those looking for a play-by-play of the defensive coordinator job. You're not going to get it with James Franklin. That's just kind of how it's worked out. And and it's interesting because you've got many moving parts here because you we, we talked about those those guys like Jim Knowles and Elijah Robinson last week, but there's NFL interest. There's guys that, uh, you know, he he's looking – James Franklin said he's looking for the head coach of the defense, which is kind of the line that brought Joe Moorhead to play. So there's a lot of different uh, a lot of different ways that he could go with that. And on top of that, you got to figure out your own staff because Brent Pry is gone. Uh, there's a linebacker coach opening. Uh, John Scott obviously has been tied to Brent Pry. Anthony Poindexter, no secret whatsoever. He's one of the top guys for the Virginia job. And I think if, he, if he's offered the Virginia job and, and everything comes to that, then you got to deal with that as well. So, I mean, there's a lot of moving parts, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I don't think Penn State's out of the woods um, by any stretch in terms of coaching uh, coaching carousel or, or coaches coming, going, whatever uh, you have, especially with, with signing day a week and a half away. Yeah, my the news just surfaced uh, right before we started recording that Miami has officially made a, a, a head coach move. Um, so you know th- those things continue to pile up, and with so many staffs in flux, as James Franklin referenced on Sunday night, there's a lot of competition for specific guys, and not all those guys. Uh, you know, some of those guys, I should say, were busy competing and coaching in conference championships this last weekend. This is a time where you'd think there'll be a little bit more. Uh, opportunity to have these deeper conversations, try to to work on the, the fine print, the details. And this is where, one, James Franklin, he wanted the resources and support from the university. This is a prime example of, of where that should show up in a hunt for talent that is a commodity and where you might get in, involved in some kind of a bidding war. You should be able to make Penn State look like a very desirable destination and your staff to look like a desirable destination for an assistant coach for his family. And then additionally, uh, James Franklin also saying there's internal conversations and then there's guys that are beyond the staff. And then you're trying to keep guys intact with your staff. So you're fighting guys off and then you're trying to poach guys from other the other programs it is enough to get tangled up. And I'm sure right now, James Franklin, um, I'm not really sure how you keep that narrow focus because then you got to knock on the door and have a two hour dinner with your QB recruit and his family and put on that show. So there is a lot in play right now. Yeah, he makes a decent amount of money, so I'm sure he can figure yeah, out. He makes to, a, he makes a pretty good paycheck, yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that definitely makes sense. And like you said, I mean, these things can turn on a dime, as we said uh, with with Poindexter. I mean, maybe that's the situation. I mean, th- this is one we were talking about. I I, I think I kind of speculated on it early last week with the expectation that Bronco Mendenhall would probably be there for another year. And then he turns around, I think on Wednesday and steps down. That's how fast this stuff can turn. Um, some interesting dynamics there at Virginia where, you know, you've got the lettermen that are very, very influential and and the alumni base that really want their guy back in decks. And then maybe an athletic department that doesn't think he's the most qualified guy. I mean, there's, there's a lot at play here. Now he's going to be in Vegas tonight uh, on Monday evening. I'm sorry uh, to, to, for the college football hall of fame awards dinner, I think it is. Um, so that's something that's been on his schedule for a long time. Um, but he's also supposed to meet with the uh, UVA athletic director out there. So many layers, many things that can change fast. And uh, yeah, don't don't turn your head too quick because you might miss something. And when asked about, you know, is there a interim defensive coordinator situation right now? Um, James Franklin addressed that by saying Anthony Poindexter has carried the co-defensive coordinator label and he's left it at that. So um, very clearly there, there's a lot in play, not just for preparation for the upcoming bowl matchup, but what you want to do with 2022. What exactly is Penn State looking for? Well, James Franklin said play calling experience in the past for a defensive coordinator is not a must in his search, but it's certainly a plus. 
And he said a couple times here, Sean, they're looking for something, quote, similar philosophy and structure, end quote, to what they've been doing under Brent Pry here during recent years. James Franklin says uh, that is the fit that his current players are uh, are comfortable with, and that is the fit that the incoming recruiting class understands and is comfortable with, and they feel like they've had success there. We've gone through some of the numbers in terms of, of this past season, seventh in the country and, and points allowed per game and outstanding play in the red zone. And I can understand why you wouldn't want to blow it up, but I can also understand why people who have watched a Brent Pry defense here for what the past five, six years, you 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 want to see some change up. And, and James Franklin even saying, while you want to see that similar philosophy and structure in place, you do want to see someone come and put their personal stamp on that how you blend those th two things and how much input James Franklin has and what it ends up looking like is a big question here. Although he tells us he wants that defensive coordinator to be the head coach of the defense, really taking on that Brent Pry kind of role. Yeah. And, and you can look at, you know, what, what Brent Pry did after Bob Shoup and he put his own stamp on some things. So I, I'd expect something similar just to, to adapt this defense. And I mean, it's a really good defense. So, uh, you know, adapt this defense and, and figure out what your schemes, uh, what the strength of your previous stop, what their schemes can do and, and, and go from there. So I think it's interesting. He mentioned that, that many schools are after the same guys right now and that that kind of jives what we've heard about, about both Jim Knowles and and Elijah Robinson you got Knowles with who's been mentioned with Ohio State and Florida and you know he just coached in the Big Ten Big excuse me Big 12 championship game the other day and shut out Baylor in the second half and that seems pretty familiar from what we've seen in terms of adjustments um, then you've got Elijah Robinson who's been who's been talked about in the Temple job I mean some really interesting names in that Temple job as well Chris Partridge is in there um, wouldn't be shocked to see I wouldn't be shocked to see Terry Smith pop up in, the, in that uh, in that realm. So, I mean, there's a lot going on at similar jobs at the defensive coordinator level. And then, of course, you come into head coach and you take that salary structure, even if it's a place like Temple that paid, I think Rod carried $2.5 last year. That's an extra million plus than you gave Brent Price. So, I mean, there's a lot going on here. It's, it's, um, it's not a lot of reportable stuff, everyday stuff, but it, it's really um, a, a ton of dynamics to, to work through if you're James Franklin in this situation. There's been a lot, a lot, a lot of conversation in the past week or so on lines247.com on the message boards about this coaching search and a lot more along the way as well. But uh, as this comes down the wire, Sean, we're not sure if this staff is going to be, as Franklin said, intact come next Wednesday. But on December 15th, that is when they plan on signing one of college football's most impressive groups. And it's led by the number one quarterback in the country in our 24-7 sports rankings, the number three overall prospect in the land. Drew Aller uh, out of Ohio, the quarterback who received that visit from Mike Yurcich, James Franklin, Taylor Stubblefield, and Ty Howell, big part of the offensive coaching staff on Sunday, him and his family. We got up, we caught up with him toward the tail end of last week. And just to, to tell you how much things change in a hurry in this landscape, we brought up Quinn Ewers and what he was doing at Ohio State, why he decided to leave high school early, because him and Quinn spent some time together at the Elite 11 finals this past summer. So that already seems like the shelf life has expired, but I still think there's some interesting things to glean from that because Drew spent his senior year in his hometown. He was not that kind of big-time talent as an underclassman like Quinn Ewers was, and yet these two are going to be attached in different ways because Quinn's back in Texas. Looks like he's roaming around for his next home. Uh, Drew is going to be here in Happy Valley in January, and in between it all is Ohio State. Maybe wondering how they just left Drew Aller leave the state because they had this – very intense and passionate affair with Quinn Ewers that fizzled out so quickly, Fitz. 
Yeah, and you, you if you're reading Bucknuts or any of the, the the Ohio State boards, you can tell that there's a little bit of frustration. I mean, y- you take that chance on Quinn Ewers every time, but uh, to see it play out like this is pretty amazing when you take into account a potential seven-figure deal uh, with NIL and then turning around, and he's basically not even going to um, – I won't say not suit up because he did suit up for Ohio State, but, I mean, you're, you're not really losing much from that uh, from that first season. Uh, go to Texas Tech or Texas A&M – or excuse me, not Texas A&M, Texas – what were the schools? It was Texas, Texas Tech, and TCU were the three that he visited over the weekend. So it'd be really interesting to see where he lands. But that's, um, I guess, no longer on Penn State's radar because Drew Aller said he's ready to sign. Devin Brown is committed to Ohio State, the 2022 quarterback. Uh, and But I, I really enjoyed sitting down with Drew. Um, since our first conversation with him, it seems like he's really come a long way in terms of handling the questions and handling the everything like this. But he did talk about Ohio State. He did talk about um, his future with Penn State. I think it's very important to note here um, when we talk about guys like Drew Aller and other guys as as there's potential staff movement here, maybe not so much on, on, on that side of the ball with the offensive coordinator, but how important it is for James Franklin to be out in front of these um, and to be on the road and saying, hey, trust me, my D coordinator and Brent Prime might not be there, but trust me, and I got to be the guy that has that relationship that sparks everything. And I think that when you take a look at what Franklin does really well, I think that's that's really something um, that can keep this class together, that can keep them trucking to signing day. I know it's just a week and a half, but that can be an eternity uh, in, in recruiting speak. Yeah, listen closely here. A lot of that decision, as Sean was reporting throughout the season, if Franklin's here, felt like Drew was going to be here. I think that that matches up to what we heard from Drew on this conversation. And like you just said, now that his season's done, now that he's closing on signing day, a little more comfortable, I think, to talk about some things he was asked about in September, October, November that maybe he didn't want to touch. So we hope you enjoy this conversation. Thanks again to Drew, who will be here in town in just a matter of weeks. Uh, Here it is without further ado. We recorded last Thursday. Just want to put that timestamp on it. All right, for a third time joining us here on the Lions 24-7 podcast, it is Drew Aller uh, talking about his upcoming signing day experience. It's coming up for this class of 2022. Committed since uh, since February, or March, I guess it was, that uh, we had you on, and then you came on again in July right before your Elite 11. Plenty has changed. You had a huge senior season. You went out to the Elite 11. You were a finalist out there, competing among the best in the country. And then, of course, in our most recent 24-7 sports rankings update, you're the number three overall prospect. You remain the number one quarterback. So first off, congrats on all the accolades. Congrats on a fantastic final prep campaign. And congrats on getting close to the finish line here with your recruitment. Thank you. I appreciate it. Drew, since we have had you on, um, you know, you had a lot of big goals for your senior year. I'm going to lay the stat line out real quick for our listeners. Uh, you had 4,400 plus yards passing. 48 passing touchdowns, six interceptions. You added about 500 rushing yards and nine touchdowns on the ground. So 57 touchdowns, six interceptions. That speaks volumes. But from your standpoint, how did this senior season go for you? Uh, I thought it went really well. Uh, I was really proud of the whole team, really. Uh, We really came together at the beginning of the season because, you know, we had a really rough uh, first scrimmage before the season even started. Uh, We we scrimmaged a team and we kind of got it handed to us. And, you know, I guess we kind of rallied around that and it really motivated us because, uh, like, my junior year we had a pretty good playoff run. And I think, like, some of the team was kind of, like, just saying, like thinking that we were just going to go out there and just play and teams weren't going to 
they were just going to lay down because we're Medina, I guess. And, you know, that was really a wake up call for us. And I think we responded really well throughout the season. Um, I couldn't be prouder of the whole senior class. Uh, we had a really special class go through. And, uh, you know, I was just fun playing with my childhood friends this last year. Drew, I know you're going to focus on the team, but what what did you improve upon the most? What, what what do you think were the biggest things in front of you that you had to improve upon? Do you think you accomplished those uh, those those little improvement increments and those goals? And and how far did you come from your junior season to your senior season? Yeah, uh, I think my biggest goal going into the season was taking on more of a vocal leadership role throughout the team, and I, I felt like I did a pretty good job with that. Uh, uh, me and the captains, I thought we were all really good with that. Just, uh, just it was really a player-led team this year, which it's been different from the past year. So I, I'm really proud of that accomplishment. And then I think just my efficiency on offense, uh, I, I took what the defense gave me. Uh, I didn't try to force too many deep shots this year like I did last year. And uh, that really helped me get the ball moving offensively for us. And it, it also boosted my completion percentage. So you know, I think that was my biggest goal coming into this year was uh, have a better completion percentage and just be very efficient offensively. How did opponents approach you differently here going into the season with a bullseye on your back, the guy who's rising up the national rankings, the Penn State commit, compared to where you were last year, not on that major power five radar yet. Did you notice it from the defenses, the way they approached you during the game, not just from a schematic standpoint, but maybe trying to get in your head? Uh, I mean, I think there was a little bit of that, but, you know, I don't, I don't really worry about that during the game or I try not to worry about it during the game. But, you know, schematically, it was a little bit more of basically prevent defense throughout the year. Uh, you know, I don't think we saw we only saw like one team that brought consistently four or five people throughout the game. Other than that, people were dropping eight into coverage and we even had a team drop nine into coverage the whole game. So it was, it was definitely dif different defenses that, you know, we, we weren't really sure what we were going to get going into the game. And as soon as that first drive hit, you know, that's what we were going to see throughout the game. So it was kind of hard for us to plan offensively, just uh, trying to guess what we were going to see defensively from other teams defensively. But, you know, I think it was just uh, teams trying to make us take underneath routes and move it down the uh, field in like 10 play drives instead of getting a couple big chunk plays and scoring pretty fast. Drew, you, you made a splash on national television playing on ESPN earlier this year through four touchdown passes. It seemed like you kind of uh, hit a zone in September and then didn't come out of it. How long did you spend just playing your most confident ball, being in that zone? And what, what is that like when you're just, you're out there and, it, and it's all clicking? Yeah, uh, that was that was a really fun period, just especially as a team, because I felt like that's when we really rallied together. Uh, week four, I'd say, is when we hit our stride against Stowe. Uh, offensively, we threw for like 500 yards, and then the next week we went out and threw for 400 more. So that was really a credit to the offensive line and receivers just making plays downfield for us. And I think from that, from week four really to week 13, I'd say, is when we really hit our best stride, uh, just being really efficient offensively and not getting flustered when, t like, there was times we were faced adversity throughout the season. But, you know, I think we did a really good job of not letting that get to our heads and then just bouncing back the next drive. Week four through week 13 is a heck of a, a stride to hit. <laughs> yeah. uh, what, what was your what was your best moment this year? What do you think? Uh I don't know. I think playing on ESPN was pretty cool uh, just because, you know, that's kind of like a once in a lifetime opportunity for high schoolers. Uh, that's that's a game I'll never really forget, especially 
the team we played, we, we hadn't beat before on varsity level. So that was our first victory against them. And then I'd say the other one was just uh, making our playoff run again. Obviously, uh, it didn't go well last game for us. Uh, but, you know, it was a really special group and it was a super fun team to be a part of. What was the dialogue like between you and the Penn State coaching staff, particularly Mike Yursich over the course of your senior season? And was it kind of a – was there a weekly analysis from the previous game, uh, any kind of capacity, critiquing, complimenting your body of work from that game that you had just played? Uh, it was more of just uh, complimenting, I guess. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure how much they, like, dove into it because obviously they were really busy throughout their season. But uh, they, they wanted all of the commits to send them weekly highlight films and just give them updates. And I'd say I, I talked to Coach Jurisic and Coach Franklin probably once or twice a week. Um, you know, they, I, obviously they were really focused on their season and they knew I was focused on my season. So we both uh, had that like common goal just to go into each week and try to go one and up. What did you think of the the job they did this season? Obviously, Penn State seven and five, not the record that they set out for. Um, but you did see, I think, market improvement with Sean Clifford and the way that he played as as a quarterback. What was your assessment of the season for Penn State this year? Uh, I, I first off, I think uh, their record they were they were a lot better team than what their record show. Uh, I think they lost their five games by what like a combined twenty three points, which is pretty crazy. Uh, obviously there was a lot of injuries, which is unfortunate, but it's a part of the game. But I thought it was really cool just seeing uh, Sean play, play really well this year and battle through a lot of injuries. And I think that's just a testament to his character and his leadership, really. And uh, it, it was just a fun team to watch play this year, offensively and defensively. We have seen Sean play a lot of quarterback for Penn State. The next start in the bowl game will be his 33rd start here, Drew. We're not sure if he's going to be around campus. I don't know if you know, but uh, he's got that extra year of eligibility because of what happened with COVID in 2020. We thought he'd be leaving, but he may not be now. Um, this is an interesting scenario that we're trying to figure out. How do you wrap your head around that, whether or not Sean stays? And what do you think you would gain if he were to stay with this quarterback room? Yeah, uh I think what I gain the most is just how he prepares throughout the week for game days and just uh, how hard he works throughout the week and how he prepares mentally. I think it'd be be a great thing to learn from him just because of how much experience he's had these past three years as a starting quarterback at Penn State. And, you know, I, I think he's a great quarterback. And I, I really like talking to him when I had the chance to talk to him off the field a couple of times. And, you know, I'm just wishing for the best for him because I, I think he's a really great guy and he's obviously a great football player too christian veyer stepping up in that Rutgers game playing the final three quarters 270 total yards three touchdowns sean clifford was was dealing with the flu it's been a while since we've seen a true freshman playing extended snaps like that in a game for penn state what did you think about the job he did there uh i think he came in and did a really good job i think it showed how like his success showed how much he was prepared throughout the week and i, I was super happy for him because i knew it was like his first time in a live game since like I think his junior year of high school, if I'm not mistaken. So it was really cool to see him go out there and perform really well and uh, lead Penn State to a win. You and I spoke during the season, um, you know, Ohio State had offered and there was a lot of attention coming your way. You just wanted to focus on on your season and getting that done. Now that, now that that's over, can you go through any of that, just w how much attention you were getting, even though you were committed and things like that? Oh, yeah, it was kind of a crazy time uh, again. It was kind of like going through the recruiting process again, even though I was committed to Penn State. 
Uh, obviously, I have a great amount of respect to Coach Day and Coach Dennis uh, in the Ohio State program. But, you know, I, I felt like the best thing for me was to come to Penn State, and I thought it was just the a, a best fit for me overall uh, academically and for football to just come here and play at Penn State. Uh, and it was crazy just because, you know, there was a bunch of rumors flying about it, and it was rumors that weren't even close to being true. And people that said they had inside sources, even though I never even talked to them or my family never even talked to them, it was kind of like just a crazy period where anything could be said about me, even though it wasn't really remotely true. Did you feel um, any kind of pressure externally when there were some coaching murmurs about what happened with James Franklin, some of the other programs, maybe taking him away from Penn State? Were you kind of getting some recruiting from other programs, maybe geared toward that, uh, maybe trying to sow some doubt? Oh uh, yeah, I think there was, but honestly, it never really bothered me because I I always had in my mind that Coach Franklin was never going to leave. Uh, I thought he ought, like I still had that belief uh, during that time that Penn State was where he wants to be, and Penn State is where he wants to be for a while. So I I didn't really I didn't really let that affect me, even though like other coaches would say like try to put doubt in my mind, but it never really affected me any anyway. Still a feeling of relief though when when he gets that signed and you, and you feel that you know it, I don't I don't think you were scheduling visits or anything like that but in your head you're like okay what's going to happen if he if he does end up self, uh, somewhere else so what's the sense of relief and what what's that conversation like with him Oh it was a huge sense of relief I I think it was a huge sense of relief for everybody committed and all the recruits that are getting recruited by Penn State just because you know, I think uh, while choosing a program, you have to go to a program with stability, and that shows with Coach Franklin's uh, commitment to Penn State and his contract. I mean, 10-year contract, a long time to be at Penn State, and I think that just shows how committed he is to Penn State and how committed Penn State is to him. And I think that's a great thing to have in a program just to show recruits there is going to be stability with the head coach position, which is a huge thing for recruits. Drew, I know you were really working on getting Nicholas Singleton to commit earlier this year. And obviously that happened and now he's primed the sign. He's also a five star in our updated rankings at 24-7 Sports. What exactly do you think Penn State is getting at the running back position with Nick Singleton? Uh, I think they're getting the total package, really. Uh, I watched his highlights and I watched a couple of the games, his games this year that I was able to tune into. And uh, it seemed like every other carry, he was breaking it for a touchdown, a really long touchdown. And I, I just saw like how explosive he was. Uh, he could go from zero to 100 really fast. And it's really impressive. And just to see the balance and power he ran with and also how fast he was. I mean, I knew he was pretty fast, but he looked a lot faster in pads than what I expected him to. So, you know, he had a great season. Uh, I know it wasn't the way he wanted to end his season either, but you know, I'm looking forward to playing with him at Penn State. Are you guys Are you guys close at all, you and Nick? Yeah, we, we text a lot. Uh, I, I was texting him earlier, I think, about his stats, actually, because I, I saw somebody said, like, he every three carries he uh, had a touchdown based off his stats, which is it's pretty crazy to think about. It's pretty, so, it's pretty close actually. Yeah. Now, but I'm skewing off here, but both of you guys had a common finalist in Notre Dame, and then you you, you just mentioned a little bit ago stability. Do you guys talk about Brian Kelly leaving or anything like that? Just thinking, oh, how crazy might that situation have been? Uh, no, we never talked about that. Uh, you know, we have a group chat where we, we just like kind of mentioned like how crazy it was, and it, like I think it just re, re uh, instated how 
important was to coach Franklin to be upfront and honest with us. And especially for my recruiting process, you know, I wanted to go to a program with stability. And I think that's how we all are uh, as a committed class. And I think it just shows um, the coach Franklin is a man of his word uh, because he, you know, he told us throughout the process that he was going to be upfront and honest with us. And I think he really backed that up. Uh, another Ohio prospect heading to Penn State, Caden Saunders. You guys got together, played a little uh, catch uh, outside near Columbus, I believe it was, this offseason. Have you gotten together again? And how much are you looking forward to actually spending daily uh, time together with him? Yeah, uh, we we haven't gotten again, but I was actually texting. We were texting back and forth the other day about uh, getting together soon. Uh, right, I think right around signing day or a little bit after that. Uh, I was going to try to go down to Columbus again and throw with him. Uh, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to watching him play. Uh, I was able to watch his highlights in a couple of his games this year. And, you know, I thought he had a great year, and it really showed how versatile he is. Just I saw him playing a lot of quarterback, which was uh, it was pretty crazy to see. I never really thought he was, they were going to line him up at quarterback. So I'm really looking forward to watching or playing with him too. Is there something surreal uh, – sorry, Sean. Is there something surreal about – meeting up with Caden Saunders that close to a campus that you want to go back to and get a win in a Nittany Lions uniform? Oh, yeah. I think it's it's it'd be really cool if we were able to do that. Uh, you know, we, we actually threw, like, right outside the shoe, uh, the one workout. There's, like, a field right behind it that we were able to get on with uh, our trainers. So, you know, it was really cool. Um, obviously, that's, that's going to be a huge game every year between Penn State and Ohio State. And, yeah, I think we're just looking forward to being a part of that game. 25 commitments in this class. So that group chat's probably buzzing pretty much 24 <laughs> seven. Uh, what's, what's the mood of the the class two weeks away from signing D how, how y'all feeling? And what's, uh, what's, what are you guys talking about these days? Uh, I, I think we're just really excited uh, for all of those early enrolling. I'm not sure how many we have early enrolling, but there's a pretty decent amount. I think we're just really looking forward to being able to spend time with each other pretty much daily and uh, just getting the Penn State and experiencing what it, it is like to be a football player at Penn State. Uh, I think I think there's a lot of anticipation for us just to finally get signing day here because it's really a huge moment in all of our lives and one that we'll all never forget. For, uh, when you look at your personal to-do list for this first semester that's coming up starting in January, what's on that to-do list? Uh, I'd say just go in with a positive attitude and um, – just put my head down and work in the classroom and in the weight room and try to just uh, soak in all the information I can from Coach Jurisic and Coach Franklin and the whole staff and then handle my business in the classroom. Um, I'm not really sure what I want to major in yet, so hopefully I can figure that out by the end of the first semester I'm there. So I'm just looking forward to everything that Penn State has to offer. Every every freshman wants to come into play. Um, obviously, that doesn't doesn't work out for everybody. But you're in a pretty special situation here as one of the top quarterbacks in the country. What do you have to accomplish between now and August to, that you think you can hit the field and and you know potentially challenge for the starting job? Do whatever you have to do to get on the field. Uh, honestly, I'm not too sure, and I'm I'm not really too worried about it. Honestly, I just want to go in and be a positive attitude in the in the locker room and not really worry about that because if I don't play, I don't play. And if I play, I play either. I have a chance to learn and play with the best kids in the country. And I'm really looking forward to being a part of that quarterback room. And I think it's going to be a really special quarterback room and uh, learning from coach Yersich. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. 
you're not going to be the only newcomer in there, of course. Bo Prabula uh, set to enroll next month as well. Um, you talked with Bo really early on. He welcomed you to the class when you came on board. Two quarterback classes can be tricky if the personalities don't match. Is that relationship something that has developed? And what are you looking forward to most about, you know, kind of being in a tandem there with a, another true freshman in that quarterback room? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I, I really like Bo, and um, I think we formed a pretty good friendship over the past couple months. And uh, I watched his highlights, and his team had a great year. Uh, you know, I thought he had a really great season, and it was really uh, impressive to watch his highlights. You know, I thought he did a great job with his crew. And, uh, you know, I'm just really looking forward to spending time with him because I, I think he's a going to be a great teammate and we're going to push each other really hard and just as all the other quarterbacks will in the room do you get paired with a roommate yet for for uh, january no we haven't okay so you you, you I, I know you follow recruiting you know at, at a certain level here but when you see the tweet come across the rankings come across number three player in the country uh number one quarterback what's the reaction i mean you know knowing where you were at this time last year what's the reaction seeing all that stuff uh, I think it's kind of surreal, but uh, I'm super thankful for it. But at the end of the day, I'm really thankful for it. But, you know, I, I know it really doesn't mean much if I can't go in and do what I'm supposed to do at Penn State and just be a great teammate and a great person in the locker room. So, you know, I'm really thankful for the rankings, but uh, I still have a lot left to prove. And I think I and I think I still have a lot more area to improve on in my game. I think you've picked up on this now, but blue chip quarterbacks get a lot of attention. And, and if you succeed, the spotlight will find you. With that said, NIL and the way that's impacting quarterbacks across the country, are you developing a game plan? And if so, who are those conversations with? I'm curious because it's really a case-by-case -case basis on, on whether players are going pretty far down that road or if they're trying to be standoffish. Yeah, uh, I actually talked to my parents about we've had a couple conversations, but, you know, I think for my benefit, like what I want to do is just go in and get get set up at Penn State and not really worry about that. I think uh, I just have to handle my business in the classroom and in the weight room and then all of that stuff will come over time. Uh, so I'm not really too worried about it, but if opportunities do present itself, it's going to be a really cool experience for everybody. And uh, but that's just my mindset going into it. I'm not going to really focus on it because I feel if I focus on that too much, I'll lose focus on what I'm really supposed to do at Penn State. And that's to perform in the uh, on the field and in the classroom. Drew, you spent you a few days with with Quinn Ewers um, out in Southern California for Elite 11. He ends up pretty soon after that signing a six figure plus deal before his first college snap and then ends up pulling the plug on his high school career uh, a season ahead of time. What, I mean, did you have any conversation with him? I don't know if you guys developed any kind of contact there, but when you saw him move on to Ohio State and you're sitting there getting ready for your senior high school season, what was going through your head? Uh, you know, I was super happy for him. I was able to talk to him a little bit at Elite 11, and, you know, he, he was a really good kid to talk to. I mean, you know, I, I know, <laughs> like, he gets a lot of attention around him, but you know, that does they don't really cover uh, – the side of him that's not when he's not playing football. And, you know, I think uh, he was just a great person to be around. And I think like a lot of people at Elite 11 really gravitated towards him uh, and just his energy and attitude. But, you know, I was super happy for him when he made that decision because obviously everybody was going to have an opinion on it if he shouldn't have gone or he should have stayed at or he should have gone to Ohio State. But, you know, I think he did what was – he thought was best for him. And at the end of the day, that's what you have to do. 
Drew, you got 25 commits in this class, and obviously a lot of you guys signing in a couple of weeks, but it looks like you haven't slowed down in terms of recruiting. I know I see some tweets going out the last couple of days to 2022 prospects. What are you guys looking to, to do to close out this class? You know, I think we're just looking uh, to add a couple more kids that will really benefit us. And, you know, I think we, a couple of us have kind of started recruiting younger kids too, or kids in the 23 class. Uh, so I think we're just really looking forward to seeing if we add anybody else and uh, who whoever ends up committing the 23 class too. Uh, I think that class is going to be really good too. So I'm looking forward to seeing who they add. Drew, can you take us inside the personality of this recruiting class just a bit for our listeners? When something needs to be said and there's maybe an awkward moment and, and who is the guy that breaks the ice? Who's the guy that steps up and says something? Maybe it's a few guys. Who are they? Uh, I'd say it's a few guys. I'd say it's Zane, uh, Ken, Jerry, and Caden, really. I think those are the four uh, kids that are the most outspoken. And I think uh, it's really good to have them. I think they're all great leaders, and they're all going to contribute uh, at Penn State. So, you know, I think I really like the whole class in general. I think we all have the same mindset, and it's just to go in and put our heads down and work and you know, just take care of business. And when our opportunities presented to us, we have to take advantage of it. Drew, did you see yourself here at a time at this time last year? I know, I know we kind of covered this earlier, but man, it's been, it's been quite a ride. Do you ever take time to reflect on that and think where you, where you've been, what you went through with COVID and having to, you know, essentially miss camps, miss visits and all this stuff, but just sort of reminiscing on your entire recruiting process. What's this ride been like? Uh, it's been a crazy ride uh, filled with a bunch of ups and downs, but, you know, I, I think it's really helped me just gain a lot of perspective on thing, different things in life. And, you know, I think it, it it's really cool to go through uh, and I'm super thankful for all the opportunities that have been presented to me all, over this past year. And I couldn't have thanked uh, all the people in my life that really helped me get to this point. So it's not just me that helped me got, get here. It's a lot of other people that, uh, that, that won't get a lot of credit for it. Drew, we're going to spend the next few years dissecting your college football career. What do the next few weeks look like for you? Saying goodbye to the hometown, saying goodbye to the high school. You got some celebrations lined up? Uh, not too much. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of laid back, but I got a, I got a couple of finals coming up that I'm going to need to take. Uh, so kind of just preparing for those and studying for those. Uh, other than that, I'm just trying to spend as much time as I can with all my uh, friends and family and just trying to soak it all in before I go to San Antonio and then Penn State. That's right. You got the uh, All-American game, come, uh, All-American Bowl coming up down in Texas. I think that 24-7 sports will be on hand quite a bit to, to get a long, longer look at you before you head our way here to Happy Valley. Drew, we really appreciate it, man. It's been great having you on during the course of this year. What a year it has been for you. And we'll see you in person pretty soon up here at Penn State. All right. Thank you for having me. Once again, great stuff from Drew. That was appearance number three here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. And in just a matter of a month or so, he will be in that room with Mike Yurcich pushing for an opportunity as a true freshman. And just a few takeaways, Sean, because when you get a chance to have QB1 in our 24-7 sports rankings on a show, you got to dissect it just a little bit. And from a Penn State perspective, you mentioned this going into the interview. You've got to appreciate the loyalty here. James Franklin and that stability in the contract, a huge component but this is a young man who has the winter turned into spring and eventually summer. He had everyone's attention across college football and he stuck with that early commitment when, I mean, grand scheme of things, he blew up in what January committed in March and continued to blow up. And there really wasn't much of a doubt uh, as long as Franklin was sticking around, AKA Mike Yersich as well. 
Yeah, I think Yursich is the key right there because you you look at uh, he was not on the radar at all before Yursich got here and was one of the first guys that he reached out to. Even didn't have an offer and was still set the table for that. And um, you know that's that's a pretty good eye right there because when he took over, there weren't too many scholarships on on, on Drew's list. So I think that's a pretty good evaluation right there. And he continued to just build that groundswell and it's it's not unlike what justin fields went through when he was committed to penn state or just before he committed to penn state just kind of got on everyone's radar and took off now it helps that he's in ohio fields was in georgia of course so um changes some things there but he stuck with penn state he, he told us he was very relieved when that contract uh, came to light but um you know he, he did his uh did his research trusted in the, in the process and really i think it's going to turn out well for him um, he said all the right things. I think we come to expect that from Drew, and that's that bodes well for his future as a maybe a face of the franchise kind of quarterback. But there are some tricky dynamics he's going to encounter. One is whether Sean Clifford will be in that room as an active member of the roster in January. And two is he is part of a two-quarterback class, and those things turn messy. It seems like Drew and, and Bo have really formed that relationship, but there are some interesting things in play here. I, I, I don't know what Taquan Roberson's status is going to be moving beyond the Outback Bowl and through this bowl week preparation. We know Christian Veyer is feeling pretty good about how his Veyu is feeling pretty good about how his season ended, and so is the staff. But man, there are so many pieces here. Like normally we'd be saying Sean Clifford is gone, Drew is in. Yeah, we keep asking about Sean, whether it's to Sean or whether it's to James Franklin. No one has an answer for us. They say it's coming after the postseason, um, but it's something that continues to hang over. And, and the clock is really ticking down now on this conversation. Yeah, I mean, there, there's whispers that 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 you would lean more toward Clifford coming back next year, which, um, you know, we, we can break down ex exceedingly in, in exceedingly long terms in January. Um, but no, you, you, I, you just feel good. I mean, if you look at next Wednesday, you get both these guys in the door, get them both signed your quarterback class or excuse me, your quarterback room just takes such a leap forward. And that's, you know, mm -hmm. given what you've seen from Bayou, um, given what you know about or what you think, you know, about these prospects. Now, obviously, you know, those stars go away in January when they hit the, uh, when they hit the, uh, the campus. But I mean, you've got a lot of talent to work with and you've got two different guys, two different style of guys, um, that have done it in pads and it's not just camp guys not just going out there throwing around shorts and t-shirt we've seen that before these guys have done it in pads they've been extremely productive and and they've been winners and that's really um something that you look at and say okay this this quarterback room has a, a, a the potential to take a giant step forward don't know if it all shows up on the field in 2022 but you you've, you're feeling really good about the direction that it's going in and, and it's it's more it'll be i would I hesitate, hesitate to say more stable because the quarterback room is never really stable because uh, with the transfer portal, everybody can can get out and go whenever they want. Um, but it, it's more talented. It's going to be more um, uh, there, there's there's more potential in there than I think there's ever been in a James Franklin quarterback room at Penn State. And I think there's more of a battle to get to QB1 and there's more of a battle to get to QB2. And both of those things are important, as we've learned here in, in 2021. And by the way, I've said I've said some <laughs> not so nice things, not so flattering things about the final stats from this regular season uh, under Mike Yersich in year one. But I will say they do not get Drew Aller without Mike Yersich as a member of this staff. Maybe that ends up, that ends up being worth it in the long run. But I will tell you this. What happens next, though? I mean, that that's really going to ultimately determine what Mike Yersich means to this program because he's going to have Drew. He's going to be in the incubator with him. I'm excited to see what comes out the other side in August when we get a look at this team, even in April, hopefully, in Beaver Stadium. It is a dynamic here, Sean. I know you covered when they signed Christian Hackenberg, um, so so maybe there's some similarities there. It was a different time for the program, different moment for the program. 
but it just feels like when, when we get a chance to see him on the field this spring, it's going to be a different vibe around Beaver Stadium if he goes and does some special moments. Yeah, and and you look at when they've brought in highly ranked quarterbacks in the past, there haven't been as much around them. You know, when Hack came in, I think uh, it was Stephen Benson, Bench and uh, Tyler, uh, who I'm already forgetting the JUCO, <laughs> the JUCO's name that ended up at Louisville. Um, there's a lot going. Tyler Ferguson, excuse me, um, and you know there wasn't much to be around. I mean, when he was coming in; he was going to be the starter. You don't have that with Drew Aller, uh, Drew Aller. You know, you've got Clifford potentially coming back. You've got all this different, uh, you know, all these different things at play, and then you've got a guy in the same class who is pretty talented by all accounts. Yes. So I'm, ex- I'm, I'm more excited. I think as a Penn State fan, you should be more excited to see what can come of this because if you throw enough talent at the at the wall there in that position, you end up in in a good spot. And and was, and, and going further here, guys are going to leave. I mean, that's that yeah. that's what happens at that position now. That's that that is what you should come to expect from the quarterback room. But until you get there, you know, you find you find yourself in a good spot with a bunch of talent. And we've had Bo on a few times in this podcast. I think a lot of our listeners have been impressed by him. Maybe we get him on again before he enrolls because we've got a lot to catch up with him as well. With two impressive guys and two impressive quarterbacks as well, Penn State adding. We'll see what happens for that room moving ahead. Uh, five-star mailbag time, Sean, as we get ready to wrap up this episode. Uh, you know, a Kind of a softball thrown our way here uh, considering the circumstances. What is your favorite college bowl, bowl game memory as a fan or reporter? Oh man! Well, I I found this uh, for our YouTube viewers in the yeah. uh, in the basement. <laughs> the 2007 Outback Bowl sweatshirt that was actually uh, it, when I say the Outback Bowl has a special place in my heart. I've got family that I uh, really, really uh, deeply care for down in that area, so I can't wait to see them when I go down. But also, this was my first bowl game that I ever covered um, back in the day. 2007, Tony Hunt running all over t- Tennessee. Uh, really, just an amazing experience because I you know never really been in that situation before. I went to the Orange bowl as a student that one's in a little bit more of a haze than than this uh, outback bowl but always have a good time at the bowl games we had a great time at the cotton bowl last time we were all out and able to go um that one holds special and then uh, a couple of rose bowls the first time i uh, got uh, food poisoning and that was not good for anybody the second time saquon barkley was just incredible and that, even though penn state came up short just a special special atmosphere so i love bowl games probably not the ticket city bowl. You know, I could go, I could go without that one. Um, but I, I love bowl games, but this, uh, this outback bowl always has a special place in, in my heart because the, actually the next time they went and, and Matt McGlynn threw all the interceptions against Florida. Um, after that game, I reported on Rob Bolden was going to transfer according to his father and got, got those quotes and really solidified us at, at Lions 24 seven as, as, as a newsbreaker entity, which we kind of carried on and, and, and ran with since then. So, um, the outback bowl, very cool bowl. Um, ecstatic on this end i know penn state fans are not happy with it but uh as a selfish selfish individual as i am very happy to go back to raymond james i'm pretty convinced you were on the conference call down the stretch uh with with the ambassadors from the bowl game you were coordinating this one in some way pulling some kind of strings because you spoke it into existence when it really seemed like we were way beyond the point where the outback bowl was even a possibility i'm with you i have some families there in the clearwater area i hope to to be able to to catch up with them while we're we're down there and so it's going to be a great ship we have coming up sean but also between now and then we're going to see some more roster movement, more signs of that late last week uh, after our, our most recent episodes. We hadn't covered it on the show. Enzo Jennings, though, second-year safety, former four-star, former top 24-7 prospect in the 2020 class out of Michigan. He hit the portal uh, following Tyler Rudolph, who hadn't been with the team for a while. But a couple safeties here who came in as blue shippers and, and are going to head out w- without making the impact that we might have anticipated. And Enzo Jennings, we've said it a few times, 
really just kind of out of sight, out of mind for much of the time we've covered here as an Indy line. That's that's one of the stranger ones, man, because I, I really liked him coming out of high school. He's got the size. He's got the speed. Um, you know, he never really was tested as a high school player, but he went down to Under Armour, had a good week there. And I thought maybe he could play as a freshman, but he just got buried and never really saw the light of day. Jalen Reed passed him a couple other guys. You know, Keaton Ellis moved over there and passed him. Um, that's just a that's an evaluation miss for the coaching staff, for the recruiting services, everything like that. Because I, w- I thought not that he was a safe bet because not a ton of, of those high school guys are, but I thought he was a guy that could come in and play and maybe by his redshirt sophomore season compete to start. And that's uh, certainly did not happen. It did not uh, work out that way. And that's uh, that's one of those ones where you just look back and you're not sure what you missed. You know, that's the, and that's unfortunate because it happens as to, to half recruiting classes all the time. Speaking of a swing and a miss, I completely failed to address the mailbag. I'm going to blame that on on a few overnight wake ups with the newborn last night. Um, going I back, you just to, went to, to Rutgers. So you didn't. No, sorry, that's, that's <laughs> well, me. Sorry, you know that's, yeah. well, this is going to be a very Rutgers bowl story. 2008, January of 2008. So following 27, 2007 season, we spent a week. Uh, we meaning the Rutgers program in Toronto for a bowl trip. It was probably not cracking into double digits Fahrenheit uh, during any time of the trip. Everything was inside. But I got to catch a pass from Doug Flutie uh, during the pregame on the field in uh, the Blue Jays Stadium, whatever that building is of the Rogers Center. Um, that was a bizarre thing um, because you're not supposed to be in Toronto for bowl season. So that was a unique experience. And the, yeah, Atlanta says good old international bowl. That's right. Uh, yeah, they, they beat the mighty Ball State uh, Cardinals in that matchup. And uh, then looking at Penn State, that 2019 game, it was awesome. It was a great experience down in Dallas. I half jokingly earlier last year and as 2020 went on more increasingly seriously said, if that's the final event that we get to cover before the world ends, it was a good one because they treated us very well. And the game itself was a barn burner. I mean, no one could stop anybody. Penn State got a a late turnover, a defensive touchdown that proved to be the difference. But Journey Brown, Micah Parsons specifically, two of the most impressive individual performances I've seen, particularly in the postseason like that. And it's remarkable to think. I think it becomes more special because that was it for for both Micah and Journey in a Penn State uniform. It was already really, really cool seeing those guys do what they did to earn MVP against Memphis. But now, you know, two years removed from it, knowing what happened to both Journey and Micah, very different paths, but none involving another Penn State snap. I think I'll always kind of keep that one in my back pocket. Yeah, and Penn State scored fifty three points that year, that day, and that's. Uh... Offensive that coordinator like a Tyler Bowen. Ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that was a very, very long time ago. Um, and that's going to, I think that's going to do it for us. Uh, I, we covered so much ground. I kind of forgot how much we talked about, but we got the defensive coordinator search covered on lines247.com. All the upcoming signing day stuff. We're getting ready for that. It's Penn State, maybe add some uh, additional pieces. And then, of course, the transfer portal is ready to surprise us at any moment, just like the coaching search and, and all the different things happening on the 24-7 Sports Network. Stay with us here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. We're back with a couple more episodes this week looking to break down recruiting and this football program. Thanks to our producer, Lance Glenn. And a big thanks again to Drew for hopping on with us for a third time. Excited to see him up here on campus very soon. We'll talk to you real soon right here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. The time has come for drag queens to save the world. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount Plus, and for the first time ever, I want you to use your talent for good. 
for a change. <laughs> Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season streaming May 17th exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.